Welcome to the QuackCast, a review of supplements, complementary, and alternative medicine. Scams. References for this podcast are available at sciencebasedmedicine.org. This is the 145th podcast. It's being recorded outside on a beautiful summer morning, so you may hear extraneous sounds like birds, cars, and barking dogs. But I'm not sitting inside to do this. This one is called TCM Hodgepodge. TCM stands for Traditional Chinese Medicine. I suspect that there are more published about traditional Chinese medicine than any other scam. I get an enormous number of papers in my feeds. Here are some of the recent curiosities I have found concerning traditional Chinese medicine. Burning genitals. Quote, the little girls laughed about germs because they didn't believe in them, but they believed about the disease because they'd seen it happen. Spirits caused it. Everyone knew that. Spirits and bad luck. Jack had not said the right prayers. Oryx and Crake. I long ago gave up on the idea that there are a finite number of pseudo-medical treatments. Anything a human can imagine will probably be used as a scam intervention. I remain amazed at the permutations that occur in the pseudo-medical world, not unlike the mix-and-match biofilms in Oryx and Crake. Not everybody knows basic anatomy and physiology that would allow for understanding of disease. Instead, people often rely on metaphor and magic for their understanding, especially in the world of pseudo-medicine. Sympathetic magic lies at the heart of many scams. The classic example is rhino horns for impotence, but there are other examples. So, what makes blood flow to a body part? Heat. What is hot? Fire. Why are you impotent? Lack of blood flow. Put it all together and it spells fire. So you can set your crotch alight to cure impotence. Really. Quote, it is all about keeping blood flow moving rapidly. The warmth from the burning towels speed the blood through the body and makes me perform 50% better in bed. End of quote. The accompanying photo of a flaming groin is a prelude to a what's the harm entry or a most unpleasant admission to a burn center if it goes horribly wrong. There is nothing on the PubMeds concerning fire therapy and little on the internet. There are several versions of fire therapy. It is, quote, a much more advanced and powerful than moxibustion, end of quote. Given the total uselessness of moxibustion, I suspect that being several times more powerful than nothing is still nothing. While the current photographs on the internet are from China, this therapy allegedly originated in Tibet, where, quote, the thermotherapeutic procedure consists in the application of a herbal product with a specific formula for each disease under treatment on the area of the affected organ. The area is covered with a towel soaked in alcohol, and it is then lighted. The heat produced by the burning of the alcohol is easily borne by the patient. The procedure is stopped when the patient announces a discomfort. <laughs> I would hope so. The vasodilatory effect produced by the fire heat accelerates the local blood circulation and the local metabolism. 
Thus, the curing substances of the herbs will be carried directly to the sick organ, and they will act immediately at the local level. End of quote. I would not rely on any therapy that bases its end point upon the use of a safe word. It is not even the therapy for Dave Grohl, although Jerry Lee Lewis might approve. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Its alleged mechanism of action is because, quote, all health problems relate to microcirculation deficiency. Really. At capillary level, the blood becomes stagnate, and then toxin will accumulate. Using fire dragon therapy can improve the microcirculation to remove stagnate toxins. Yep, toxins again. And, quote, the vasodilator effect produced by the fire heat accelerates the local blood circulation and local metabolism. When you're running because you're on fire, that will increase your circulation. Thus, the curing substances of the herbs will be carried directly to the sick organ, and they will act immediately at the local level. Like most placebo medicines, there is no process for which fire therapy cannot be used, including as a beauty aid. Quote, general fire dragon therapy can help cure the following disorders. Indigestion, low metabolism, low temperature, melancholy, pain caused by stress and tension, insomnia, anxiety, fear, panic attacks, stomach distension, vertigo, hiatal hernia, benign tumors, cold bile disease, joint pain, arthritis, bone deformation, joint inflammation, superficial fever, a.k.a. empty fever, postmenopause syndrome and nerve inflammation, sciatic nerve, neurologic disorders, etc. In short, fire dragon therapy is good for diseases which manifest from phlegm and wind humoral disorders. Phlegm and wind. Sounds like something produced by teenage boys. And are there side effects? Of course. Quote, it produces many side effects, but all of them are positive. Whew. That's close. The procedure as described is relatively safe. The towels are wet, and it is the alcohol vapor above the towel, not the liquid alcohol on the towel, that is burning. As long as it doesn't ignite the clothes or the environment, it probably poses little risk. But it sure looks stupid to me. Pop, pop. There is often the suggestion that you should consult a licensed and certified acupuncturist, not just any old needle wrangler down the street, to practice their magic upon you. I don't know. I would think that licensed and certified magic is no more effective than unlicensed and uncertified magic. Maybe they might know a bit more if certified, but the pass rates for acupuncture boards are not impressive, at least in California. In February 2014, only 62% of first-time test takers in California passed, and overall 49% passed. It gives one pause. There are several sites on the interwebs with acupuncture board questions and flashcards. I took the tests and I missed all the questions. But the questions often seem goofy to me, but then I find the theory and practice of acupuncture goofy. Knowing the crossing point of the spleen meridium and the thoroughfare vessel or that cupping removes putrefaction and promotes granulation somehow has no relevance to what I would consider biomedical reality. As an aside, I wonder what the result of board certification will be on the practice of acupuncture. 
there are a huge variety of acupuncture styles by country and by practitioner. There are a huge number of acupoints. There are variations such as bee venom or cat gut added to the acupuncture and techniques. There are more acupuncturers than acupuncture, perhaps as many forms of the practice as there are practitioners. I also note that some schools have high pass rates and others do not. I predict with board certification that the variability of acupuncture will decline as, at least in the United States, they teach to the test. The biomedical sample questions were often simplistic and, if indicative of the knowledge base of practitioners who want to be primary care providers, scary. I was reassured to find questions concerning proper hand hygiene and sterilization of needles, although I am skeptical about their application. I have yet to find a photograph of an acupuncturist using gloves on a human being, although recently they were doing acupuncture on a lion with a sore paw, and the acupuncturist was wearing gloves. At least animals get proper technique, if not humans. What I did not find, and that doesn't mean it's not there, it was not an exhaustive search, were questions testing whether acupuncturists had an understanding of the importance of anatomy under their acupoints. Evidently not, for if you search acupuncture and complications on the PubMeds, you will find seven pages of articles, some of which have titles to suggest that needles are going where they should not. For example, a needle penetrating the stomach cavity after acupuncture, life-threatening cardiac tamponade, a rare complication of acupuncture. Is pneumothorax after acupuncture so uncommon? There's a scary one. Staph aureus pericardial abscess presenting a severe sepsis and septic shock after acupuncture therapy. Cervical epidural abscess after cupping and acupuncture. An acute cervical epidural hematoma as a complication of dry needling. Hemopericardium following acupuncture. Cardiac tamponade caused by acupuncture, a review of the literature. Some of those are pretty impressive. I mean, it takes real effort to get deep enough to pop the stomach or the heart. I would be hard-pressed to accomplish this deliberately. Those are the results of the first two pages of the search and does not include my all-time favorite, acupuncture needle found in ex-South Korea president's lung. Quote, I can't figure out how the needle got into there, Dr. Sung Bung Won was quoted as telling reporters at the hospital after the operation. It is a mystery for me, too. Um, well, maybe because acupuncturists don't really know what they are doing when they stick needles in people. That they do not really know how deep they can safely push a needle since they have no understanding of anatomy. There is a push to include acupuncturists as primary care providers. Given the nature of their training and what it takes to pass their boards, mostly magic, and excludes reality and anatomy, I might be a little skeptical as to their abilities. Sego, Cochrane in, garbage out. The Cochrane reviews, they give me pause. I understand the need and the utility of systematic reviews and meta-analyses. They can give a nice overview of a topic and suggest the utility or lack thereof of a given therapy. But they are not definitive and suffer from the problem of GIGO, 
garbage in, garbage out. GIGO is especially pertinent when the methodologies of systematic reviews are applied to pseudo-medical interventions that are divorced from reality. My colleagues and I have written extensively about acupuncture. We have collected many of the essays in a book that are available at Amazon. Hint, hint, the science-based medicine guides to acupuncture. The summary of acupuncture is, it is not based in reality. There are no meridians or acupoints. And well-designed clinical trials that remove bias suggest that acupuncture only works for subjective endpoints if the patient thinks they are getting acupuncture and believe acupuncture to be effective. It does not matter where needles are placed or even if needles are used at all. Toothpicks work. From a prior plausibility perspective, say that three times really fast, any positive effect from acupuncture is likely to be due to a combination of bias and poor study design. But that never stops the Cochrane Collaborative, who will run anything and everything through their grinder to produce meta-analysis sausage. Unfortunately, unlike sausage, I often know what goes into the meta-analysis. Acupuncture is the rodent hair and insect parts in the bratwurst that is acupuncture for treating ankle sprains in adults. Can I beat a metaphor to death or what? Anything or everything that calls itself acupuncture is included. No form of the technique is ignored. Quote, we included all types of acupuncture practices, such as needle acupuncture, electroacupuncture, laser acupuncture, pharmacoacupuncture, non-penetrating acupoint stimulation, e.g. acupressure and magnets, and moxibustion. Acupuncture could be compared with control, no treatment or placebo, or another standard non-surgical intervention." End of quote. Acupuncture, as is often the case, is anything they want it to be. Insert Humpty Dumpty quote here. Talk about your heterogeneous group of acupuncture and quasi-acupuncture. And what a surprise. They did not find any evidence that acupuncture, however it was defined, was effective for acute ankle sprain. Quote, the currently available evidence from a very heterogeneous group of randomized and quasi-randomized controlled trials evaluating the effects of acupuncture for the treatment of acute ankle sprains does not provide reliable support for either the effectiveness or safety of acupuncture treatments, alone or in combination or with other non-surgical interventions or in comparison with other non-surgical interventions." End of quote. Of course, reality will never provide reality support for either the effectiveness or safety of acupuncture treatments because acupuncture is based on fantasy and, as we talked about above, its practitioners really don't know what they are doing. When seen through the lens of the information provided by prior high-quality studies of acupuncture, it would suggest that the following conclusion, the conclusion that is virtually always at the end of every scam study, only promotes a waste of time and money. Quote, future rigorous randomized clinical trials with larger sample sizes will be necessary to establish robust clinical evidence concerning the effectiveness and safety of acupuncture treatment for acute ankle sprains, end of quote. For some reason, they always suggest more studies. At least they did not suggest it may be worthwhile for ankle sprain patients 
to test on an individual basis whether the therapeutic acupuncture is beneficial for them. The Cochrane reviews can only be that lunk-headed once, I hope. TB or not TB. Regular listeners are aware that I am an infectious disease doctor and have been the medical director of the infection control program for my hospital system for 24 years. Damn, I'm getting old. It is impressive how Murphy rules in infection control. If something can cause an infection, it will cause an infection, given the right circumstances. Needles sticking the skin can drag bacteria into the skin of the patient, from the hand of the practitioner, or even from the slight aerosolization of spit from the practitioner. For example, dragging oral bacteria into spinal fluid. It is why we wear a mask and gloves for many injections. I have mentioned my Google Whack before. A Google Whack is where you search for two terms and get exactly one hit. As best I can tell, there is exactly one picture of an acupuncturist using gloves on human beings. And actually, it's a physical therapist doing dry needling when you do a Google image search. So that's my Google Whack. Careful infection control technique is not high on the to-do list of acupuncture practitioners, and the search of PubMed will result in a long list of mostly preventable infections. As I think about it, since there is no real indication for acupuncture, they are completely preventable infections. Now there is a report of cutaneous tuberculosis, analysis of 30 patients with acupuncture-induced primary inoculation tuberculosis. Quote, the use of Chinese acupuncture needles, which are able to deeply penetrate into the tissues surrounding tendons and nerves, provide an ideal route for the inoculation of tuberculosis, and I might add other organisms. The patients in our outbreak underwent acupuncture twice daily for two weeks. This high degree of potential exposure may explain why there were no cases of spontaneous healing. From an infection control perspective, it is interesting that, quote, despite the unsuccessful identification of the source of contamination, it is apparent that these infections were linked to acupuncture and moxibustion because the 30 patients had the same epidemiologic characteristics. Most of the 30 patients had multiple skin infections, but the lesions were located to the sites of acupuncture and electrotherapy. Lesion severity and drug reactions in individual patient were similar, but we did not know whether these multiple lesions were independent or the result of inoculation of the wounds via hemodisseminated mycobacterium tuberculosis. And some patients had metastatic infections. Quote, although occurrence of the three patients with meningeal and pulmonary tuberculosis and two patients with knee tuberculosis had confirmed the hemodisseminated ability of this primary inoculation, mycobacterium tuberculosis to other tissues and the compartments. And then they finish with a little ironic humor, maybe not deliberate. Quote, mycobacterium can easily spread without proper microbiologic control of these procedures. To this end, it was recently suggested that herbal medicine and acupuncture professions should also develop a system of statutory regulation which would help prevent these issues, end of quote. 
those whose worldview holds that disease is due to the fanciful constructs of meridians and key are unlikely to pay close attention to germs and their potential spread. Just Google photographs of acupuncture if you want innumerable examples. In medicine, we are fortunate that it is usually hard to infect other humans, especially if you are punctilious about applying the concepts of infection control. Too bad infection control prevention is not part of acupuncture understanding. And that ends the 145th QuackCast. Wander on over to edgydoc.com for links to my growing multimedia empire. As I have mentioned, iTunes lost all my QuackCast reviews. So if you're bored, go write me some new glowing ones. Also, head on over to the Society for Science-Based Medicine, sfsbm.org, and check out the organization we are trying to build. We now have tax-exempt status, so any donations are tax-deductible. Otherwise, see you later. Bye.